Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Whether you seek adventure, search for answers, break down barriers, or see the world for what it can be, you're just what we're looking for. CIA is searching for women of all skill sets to join the Directorate of Operations and help protect our nation. Visit cia.gov careers. Welcome to Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and once again I'm joined by Anthony Haggerty for the Axon Bulletin. This is an extra bulletin today, Tony. Welcome back to the show, how are you? A pleasure, I great. Always good. Always good to learn here, like I was hearing earlier that you are going to be on the radio tomorrow talking about your new book. You're going to be on Off the Ball. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That'll be a great laugh, babe. I'm sure I'll get ripped a new one by Messrs Cosgrove and Messrs Cowan. But yeah, I mean, they were used to be columnists for the record, so got a personal relationship with them. So it should be great fun, you know. Go, will, will they go easy on you? No, not at all. Not easy. <laughs> uh, but they hope to give as good as you get. So we'll Absolutely. Now, we've spoken about the book. The last time you were in, actually, was the 2nd of January. And on that day, I remember watching that game and, we were quite relaxed because the performance was good enough. You know, it was a good enough display. And then the unthinkable happened in the second half. But since then, 
I mean, any kind of optimism that had been built up over that period leading into that game seems to have disappeared. I mean, bring us right up to date over the last three weeks or so in terms of Celtic for yourself, Tony. Well, I was laughing because I, I, I attached an a text message to you and I said hashtag nay positives didn't I <laughs> you did I you did you the mantra and people saying on your particularly this podcast accentuate the positives how can you it's just gone from bad to worse. and the Dubai call was just staggering mm-hmm. read the mood music not not so much around the club read the world mood music Dubai was just the wrong call, especially after, you say, the 2nd of January. They'd gone 19 points behind Rangers, mm-hmm. staggering 19 points behind Rangers, and they decided to take themselves off to Dubai for whatever reason, and all the, the fallout from that, all the negative publicity that it attracted, no positive stuff whatsoever. And in between the vortex of Lennon making some real good points during his broadcast to the nation, it was lost because he looked like a man who, you know, was having some kind of, you know, it was, there was an unravelling going on there. You know, and Peter Lovell's statement, sorry, but I'm not really sorry. You know, it was just the communication lines are completely and utterly broken down. And then on the park, it just seems to go from one shambles to another. Mm-hmm. The Rangers game, they lost 2-0 at Parkhead. Celtic have won seven games out of 22. Competitive games, seven, less than a third. Now, I would argue, see a manager winning 17 out of 22, you would be still asking questions. Yes. Seven out of 22, Paul, less than a third. It's utterly unbelievable from a position of strength going into this season. Let's not forget, from a position of utter strength, of supposed strength, and it brings you back to what you've been banging about all season. Those at the top. Those at the top this season are now, I don't know what they're doing or what they think they're doing with the Celtic fans, but they're almost insulting your intelligence. It feels you know, like that. It does feel like that, Tony. What football intelligence you have or what football intelligence they think you have, and give yourself a lot of credit. Because from early doors, you've been pointing various things out from don't fall asleep at the wheel, you know, it, have a contingency plan in place if things weren't going right. This was the season that mattered most to Celtic fans. It's been the most important season since trying to stop the 10 when Rangers were achieving it, and arguably since 67. This was the season, you know, they've played Russian roulette, as I've said before, with the Champions League qualification. Domestic dominance was what the was the buzzword. Was what you've been told that they were these people were searching for and were striving for. And the Celtic board have convinced me this season they're not Celtic men like you and I. They're businessmen. They've treated the fans like customers. Mm-hmm. Customers, not supporters, not fans. Because who are the ones that are hurting? Not them. You, it's I, and it's all the people and you all the subscribers and every fan who refused a refund, by the way, at the start yeah. of the season, refused a refund because they thought Celtic were pulling up for 10 in a row. They weren't. They had no contingency plan either. Now, you've argued the, the manager should have gone after Ferenc Varos. You could have looked at it then, but he should certainly have been questionable at Pitodri 
But then when they lost to Rangers, that contingency plan should have kicked in and they should have said, thanks, Neil, but there's something not happening here. There's something wrong. There definitely is. Now, one of the big things that we keep raising, Tony, is you've already mentioned uh, two instances uh, incidents there, the first one being Peter Lowell coming out with his apology and then the second one on Monday there Neil Lennon after being in isolation for a while um, letting fly at various uh, areas of the media, uh, the Scottish government, other clubs now you've worked in the media for a long time, couple of decades and you know how various clubs deal with the media and it's something that has to be done. I mean, there's been a long time whereby Rangers and the BBC have not had a good relationship. And in fact, the BBC have been banned from Ibrox. And there was things coming through in this interview with Neil Lennon where he basically said to Charles Patterson, I'm not going to give your company access to my players. So we're going down the, the roads of Sky Sports being banned from Celtic. We know that's not been seen through because we've seen interviews with Ryan Christie and El Yanusi on Sky Sports since then. But when you, as a, as a pundit, when you're in the media yourself, Tony, and you're dealing with Celtic uh, as a company, you, you've seen, as I say, for 20 years or more, various different approaches. Now, when you were dealing with Celtic in the past, were they a decent enough outfit to deal with? Was it was it uh, plain sailing? There was no real issue because when Neil Lennon came out on Monday, he was gunning for the press, and then the Celtic support said, "Well, we've no friends, we've no friends in the media anyway." So what Neil was saying was right. What's your take on it, having seen it from both sides? It was never ever plain sailing dealing with Celtic because there, there was always this kind of them and us attitude, you know, which never served anybody. On either side, very well. No, I think they saw us as a kind of a necessary. They had to deal with us, you know, which is why they ended up taking a lot of their media in-house. Celtic TV was created, all that kind of stuff, where they could create their own content, as you see them doing a lot now, and try and bypass the media. Right. Now, the worst part of being involved in the media for twenty years was during Kenny Dalglish's reign, mm. when he took the club. When he, the club sunk to the lows of having press conferences and pubs like Bird's Bar. I don't deny that if you want to have a culture where you invite members of the public in to see what goes on, then fine. You can do that. Why not have a competition like the Paradise Windfall then and say, right, let's have a draw and you can come in and see how it works on Media Day, Friday, a preview or whatever, if that's the case and you let the public see what happens. But there was, there's never ever... There's a popular misconception that there's a, an agenda against Celtic or a bias against Celtic. I was never ever aware of that. You know, when you know my leanings, and I work for a newspaper that was called the Daily Rangers or the Daily Rebel on a daily basis, right? We were everything to all men. Right, but I was never, I never witnessed that. I never went in on any given day and thought, how can I sink the boot into Celtic? How can I sink the boot into Rangers? You know, I was never part of my, my MO. Yeah, I just, I, I don't get it. And I, the first time I met you, you know, I, we were in and we were doing a media thing with Jackie and si, Jackie Mack and Simon Donnelly and I introduced myself and you famously said, that said to you, not all of us are bad guys, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and, I, and I see you, here's my number, here's my email. 
you know, if you're going to have these things, only let me know. Because, again, I was Celtic-minded. And if you were going to bring Celtic players in, and I'd like to be there, I'd like to speak to them, I'd like to form some kind of relationship with them, which I did with Simon and I did with Jack because they went on to manage Patrick Thistle, Dundee United, and I dealt with those clubs a lot. But whenever I dealt with Celtic, I, I, and it, it was never problematic, but you always felt that there was a kind of a, a mistrust of you and what particular line you were trying to pursue or, or where you were going with a specific question. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I, I, uh, I don't know, you'll know Ian Jameson. Yes. I'm very friendly with Ian Jameson at, at Celtic PR. I've, I've never ever fallen out with Ian Jameson. You know, and he, and he knows me as a person and he knows the club I support. So he, he knows I would not intentionally try to do the club down or write something that I think is highly contentious. But, you know, I, I was always of the opinion you, you call things as you see them. And then when players and managers say things in press conferences situations, you quote them exactly. Headlines could be taking the the eight iron or the sandwich and headlines could land you in a lot of bother. Mm-hmm. But then you became that kind of, I don't write headlines. And I didn't write headlines. I wrote the words. I'd stand by words that I'd written. And if anyone wanted to come and have a go, I'd show them. I'd say, look, here's what I wrote. I wrote down exactly what you said, why we have dictaphones. Mm-hmm. You could dug up, but headlines could get you into bother. Sub-editor's trying to be clever. He said this, but he actually meant that. Right, I'll give you an example. Where my birthday, July 11, 2000, I was dispatched to Celtic Park. Chris Sutton was signing, and I met Chris Sutton going in, and six hours later, I met him coming out, and he... He recognised me because I was the only journalist there because I was the one who knew he was signing. Right. Tell, to tell him. It was July the 10th, actually. July the 11th was going to be the next day paper. And Chris Sutton, I said to Chris Sutton, are you here to sign? He said, well, I'm not here for a look around. And I said, do you think you can win with trophies with Celtic? He said, well, I'm not here for a laugh. Right? He said, eh, see people, and I said, people have unfairly labelled you a £10 million flop. You think you can restore your credibility and respectability as a centre forward? And he, and he just looked and he said, Yeah, I think I can. So I quoted him as saying, Yep, he's here to win trophies with Celtic. And the headline was, I'm here to tame Jers. Because Rangers had won the league by 21 points or 19 points the season before. It's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. <laughs> to the headline, I went, wow. You know, and my name's attached to that. 
I've written the words down that Chris certainly said, and he said to me, and he spoke to me, because he said, good, you were here earlier, and I said, yeah, and he said, right, what do you want to know, and I spoke to him, and I said, do you think you can wrestle the title off Rangers, and again, he just sort of said, well, I'm not here for a wander around Glasgow, that kind of thing, so I, I quoted him as saying these things, but the headline was, I'm here to tame jails, and even I, when I woke up in the morning, saw people the same way as you, and my birthday went, oh, oh, wow, right, and I thought, that's going to cause a bit of constantly. Thankfully, it didn't. But that's an example of how things can, you know, he said something, but the headline said something else. Yeah, definitely. And even I was like that as a journalist. Well, you know, he never mentioned Rangers. I mentioned Rangers in my questioning. He never mentioned them by name. Yet they had him, I'm here to team viewers. Turns out he did. In his first season, he scored a double in his first Celtic Rangers game, which was the first Celtic Rangers game I covered, and interviewed him after that, which was a great moment in sport. So the six-two game. So oh yes, yeah, absolutely. Now, see, in talking about that, I'm going to come back to that particular season, Tony, because just through speaking to others on a Celtic state of mind, JP yesterday brought up uh, the John Barnes season. We were ch- we were chatting away about the John Barnes and Dalglish season, <laughs> but I mean. Th- that season, when I look back, I mean, I felt as a Celtic fan really disconnected to the club. And as you say, there was a few stunts pulled. Kenny Dalglish takes Vida Recev down to Baird's Bar and punters are in there with the, the press pack. And it's very uncomfortable, I would guess, for anyone who was working for the press that day. But there was that season, really, there was a real feeling of disconnect because it felt as though we had thrown big, big money. Fergus was gone. You know, the saviour was gone by this stage. And apparently his parting words to Alan McDonald was don't employ Kenny Dalgleish. And the first thing Alan McDonald did was he brought Dalgleish in. Dalgleish had this idea to bring in John Barnes. It was the dream team, which was how the Celtic View labelled it. And we spent a lot of money. So we spent big money on guys like Berkovic and obviously the infamous Raphael Scheidt from Brazil and others. But by the end of that season, Barnes was gone. Dalgleish had to be relieved of his duties. And a major rebuilding job was required. So as well as the performances this season being almost as bad as in terms of where we are in the league, the points compared to the John Barnes season, we're facing a situation where we could be as big a gap, there could be as big a gap between Celtic and Rangers this season as there was back then. I mean, it was 21 points, as you rightly pointed out. We went into the pre-season then. We had to pay off Kenny Dalglish. I think he got paid roughly 700 grand. That was his out-of-court settlement. Can't remember the John Barnes, Eric Black, McDermott fees, but Celtic were out of pocket. We then had to reinvest in the squad because Martin O'Neill wanted his own men in. Chris Sutton, six million. Every player that came in was costly. Martin O'Neill and his team were costly through the compensation to, to Leicester. And we he inherited players that he had to dispatch who had been big money buys like Berkovic and Scheidt. This time round, we've got Barkas and a Jetty or a Yeti. Do you think the rebuilding job is as big as that for any incoming manager coming in in the summer, Tony? Or do you think somebody could come in and utilise the core of the squad and maybe complement it with a few signings and still get that title back next season, get Celtic back on track? I'm going to say a positive thing there. I think they can get the, the title back right, but that's all preceded by getting the right man in. Mm. This is as big a job as that season as you you 
I look to. What is it with the Celtic board? History tells you they've always, there's no visionary. They've always been reactionary. Mm-hmm. You know, 65, they bring in Jock Steen after going eight years without a trophy. And Steen goes to Hibs and Dunfermline and shows he can manage. This was a guy they let go. Mm-hmm. Previous. And then he said, I'll come back, but you've got to give me full control. They did it. It took them to the final season of Rangers nine in a row before they got a manager capable of winning the title. Yet they brought Fergus in, what, 94, 95? And he promised them they would build them a stadium and get them a team capable. Right, came close under Tommy Burns, but just didn't have it. But it took them to almost in the cusp of 10 for a manager to shatter, you know, for Vim Janssen to come in and win that title. John Barnes' disaster, absolute disaster. So it takes that result against Cali for Martin O'Neill to come in. Yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're always reacting to adverse circumstances, whereas this time we were in a position of strength. This season should have been a quest and a mission for the Celtic so players, the board, the management and the fans to get right behind it. Everybody's singing from the same hymn sheet. We've got a massive re- how can you how can you be supposedly light years ahead and then have a massive rebuild job on, on your hands? I know. And you have. I mean it's utterly astonishing and bewildering. And the Celtic fans are like, What's going on? How has this been allowed to happen? Because you've not reacted. You know, you've not had a you've not been visionary enough to have a contingency plan if it was going wrong during this season of all seasons. Because this was the one that meant most to everybody to achieve a unique piece of Scottish football history, the glory, the honour and the prestige of being a club that said we did 10 in a row. It will never be done because there won't be a period of dominance like this again by either club that will now play past the parcel with the title. You know, so ad ad nauseam. And I cannot fathom, it's unfathomable why the board could act like this and now they're, they're in this position where the next managerial appointment, Celtic, is critical. Mm. And they're going to have to spend, like you said, in the Martin O'Neill era, era, sorry, and in the Brendan Rodgers era. And see if that man is Eddie Howe. The podcast had one on about Eddie Howe the other day. Go and get him. Don't lose him in Newcastle. Or, or else ask the question and tell Eddie Howe and make Eddie Howe give the answer. Thanks, but no thanks. See if it's Ralph Rannick, go and get him. Because you're not just employing a manager, you're employing a, a future for the club. Tell us where the club's going, a strategy. But as you see, the disconnect with the board and the fans is incredible. Absolutely incredible. And they've almost dismissed the fans' uh, feelings and attitude this season as unimportant. Unimportant. There's guys who might not have a job at the end of all of this, mm-hmm. who fought out 500, 600 quid for a season ticket because the solace they got in life was from their football club. And these people at the top, see if you don't, see if you're loyal to a particular brand and then something goes wrong with it, you don't buy the brand anymore, you switch to another brand. You cannot switch the brand of your football club because it's there. You feel it there and you feel it there. It's heart and soul. And, you, and, you know, I'm getting a bit passionate about this, but somebody, somewhere at the top, those business people that run Celtic don't have it in their heart and soul the way you 
and I and the man who fucked out 600, 700 quid for a season ticket because and, and refused a refund because they thought this season they were going to witness something incredibly special. Mm-hmm. They have, just in the wrong way possible. And I'll get back to it. Rangers, good, half-decent team, but not a great team. All Celtic had to be this season was a very good team because a very good team would have trumped the Rangers' good team, I believe. But there wasn't even the spectre of a challenge from very early on. And people upstairs couldn't see that in the season that mattered to everybody. And now we have divisions, fractions within the Celtic support fighting with each other. I mean, I saw the other day somebody called the manager a charlatan and a mercenary. Hold the bus. Neil Lennon is a bona fide Celtic legend. But we all agree his time is up at Celtic. I think we can all agree on that, yeah? Oh, yeah. You come to the end of your race. But this is a man that loves a club. You see, to tear yourself away from something that you love, that you love dearly, you know, it's hard. This is a guy who, and give him his respect, he want to travel as a player and he want to travel as a manager. The only Celtic person to do that. He, de- he, de- he commands respect. See words like charlatan and mercenary, you know, taking it out on Neil Lennon. He's been a part of the problem this season, granted, because results get you the sack. But the Celtic board's inertia and inability to make a crucial decision and remove him from the firing line is also a major cause of this. You know, Neil Lennon was the first manager to win a, a European group stage by going to Italy and winning for the first time. This is a guy who's been attacked as a manager of Celtic while conducting his work. He's verbally and physically abused in the street because he's a manager of Celtic Football Club. Was sent bullets through the post because he was the manager of Celtic Football Club. He might be many things, and the Celtic fans might be turning on him a wee bit just now because he's not getting results. And that ultimately sees you being shown the door. But he ain't no mercenary. You know, and he ain't no charlatan. And I think that's utterly disrespectful. Oh, it is. Like you, I would like to see him removed from position because it's just no work this season and we need time to build. We need a new manager to come in and work with those players and then go to the board and say, right, here's who I'm keeping. Here's who has to go. Here's who I recommend we bring in. But will that happen under Peter Lowell? You know, see, see when you're, you're talking about Neil Lennon um, and on that point when someone has that emotional attachment to the club which he undoubtedly has Tony I think back again to a man who's already been mentioned today Fergus McCann and him and Tommy Burns clashed I mean they clashed throughout uh, Tommy's time at Celtic to the point where when Fergus McCann decided that uh, Tommy Burns was no longer the Celtic manager, and Tommy famously walked out the front door. Um, I, I just look back on that because Fergus McCann's tact then was whoever comes in cannot be this Celtic man. It can't be someone who is Celtic-minded. That was removed as a prerequisite for the job. And it was no longer part of the criteria for the job. And in actual fact, he said he wanted an overseas manager. That overseas manager, you'll remember, um, 
Vim Janssen and the headlines going back to the headline story you told before the headlines around Vim Janssen when he came in yeah. uh, the, the, the worst thing he had Japan since Hiroshima I think it was um, but even when Vim Janssen left that was still Fergus McCann's take on it you've got to employ someone who doesn't have the previous links to Celtic and that man was of course Joe Vengloss now I'm looking at the Celtic scenario just now I'm looking at Neil Lennon he doesn't know when he's beaten I said that yesterday in the podcast he doesn't know when he's beaten he's not going to step down he's come out and said that and like you say it's going to be down to someone like Peter Lowell to make the decision for him if indeed they do will that have any bearing do you think it's the marketers report this week Patrizia Spagnoletto global chief marketing officer direct consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Think on any incoming manager. Do you think they'll have the same view that, you know, Neil, Neil Lennon was so involved, so passionately invested in this? Let's try something different. Let's go for someone who doesn't have the same link to Celtic. See, as Eddie Howe, what's the first thing Eddie Howe does? He lifts the phone to Brendan Rodgers, doesn't he? Mm. And he says to Brendan, your thoughts? And Brendan will say, wonderful club, brilliant people, but you might find it hard working with a man upstairs. No. You, you're also turning around and saying, now, if that's going to be an impediment to a top, top candidate coming to Celtic Park as a manager, then you have to look at Peter Law as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the real men, money men have to step in here. They're Desmond's of the world. There's so many big, crucial decisions going to have to be made here. And we spoke about it the last time I was on. Three managers, to my knowledge, in Celtic history have had full control. Jock Steen, Martin O'Neill, Brendan Rodgers. What, and what's the outcome? They have unparalleled success until such point where the interference becomes so much that they have to either walk or they, or, you know, or they leave of their own volition. You know, Jock Steen was ushered out the door symbolically you know, for what he, the service he gave to Celtic. But he had total control mm-hmm. and the you know, greatest period of history success the clubs I've ever known Martin O'Neill enjoyed some great period of history Brendan Rodgers the same until the interference from the board or certain members of the board became too much that they said it's not worth it anymore these guys are football men they're upstairs for a reason they're businessmen they deal with law money shareholders all Mm -hmm. that stuff profit and loss Football managers are football managers for a reason. It's their game. It's what they know. Jock Steen, there's nothing you could tell Jock Steen about football. He knew everything. Martin O'Neill was pretty knowledgeable. And Brendan Rodgers, the same. Mm-hmm. Three fantastic football managers. Football men. And they were all... In the, in the end of their tenure, left a, 
facilitation and how the way they left the club. Absolutely. Now, what we do find, Tony, is some questions coming in for you, so I'll throw them out to you. Um, Bomber H, who is commenting on Twitter, does Tony believe Neil Lennon will be here until the end of the season? There were some stories circulating this morning that he might be in charge until the end of the year. Daily Mail wrote a story saying he was here till the end of the season. Do you know what that smacks of then? Paul, that smacks of Celtic Board don't know what they're doing. They've not identified a candidate and do not know how to address this problem. That's what it smacks of to me. Because why would you leave Neil Lennon to limp on and just, you know, get a win here and there? And that that points differential to Rangers stretch even more. A new man has to come in now. And if you're doing your homework, you will have identified that new man and see if they're even... His base is listening to podcasts like this. They've been thrown many suggestions. You see if they've not drawn up a short list from suggestions, you know, su- suggested by fans, real fans, don't mean money men, businessmen, you know. Because at this moment in time, and, and, I, and I'm going to say that Celtic are masquerading as a big club. Big clubs don't act like this. They sort it out. If you really want to be a big club and your ambition is such that you want to take this club to where you believe it belongs Celtic fans are fed up going into European competition and being fodder we want to advance to the the latter stages of European competition and I include the Champions League in that other clubs can do it Atalanta, Cinderella story why can't Celtic You you would think Celtic were a bigger club than Atalanta would you not? You know, so how come you, the, the ambition stops at a certain period for Celtic or at a certain mark? Why can't they domestically dominate and then make a fist of it when they go into the Champions League? I want Celtic to get to the latter stages out, the knockout phases of the Champions League. I'm not content just to see them reach the group stages and get the money. I want to go as far as I can. I want to try and emulate the, the team of 67. Why not? Or if you're out into the Europa League, you want to go to the final. See, when you look at the Atalanta story, and there's other stories, I'm sure, um, that are in progress, Tony, I, I, I know that a big focus is placed on data analysis, you know, the science of football, the science of soccer. And you look at some of the words being used to describe Celtic recently, complacent, some might even say arrogant. There has been, I think, a complacency whereby we're not really planning uh, as meticulously as that, you know, with the data analysis. Do you think the restructure that has been mooted maybe this pre-season will involve something as big as that? Bringing in, you've mentioned Ralph Ranić. He, he looks tremendous. Everything you read and watch involving Ralph Ranić, it's a bit of a dream, you think. He's not just a football manager. He's going to be looking at the infrastructure of the football um, department, if you want to call it that, of a football club. It sounds bizarre, but going back to what you said before, there's so much other things that need to be dealt with. So that would be looking at the, the, the science. It would be looking at the, the youth setup. Up, the recruitment as well as the loving bodies on a park are Celtic ready we've spoken a wee bit about the control that Peter Lowell seems to have there are we ready is Peter Lowell ready to make his cha- the, the changes that would be required to allow someone like Ralph Ranić in to implement that kind of change so if you're an ambitious club and you want to be classed as an ambitious in a big club that's what you do that's moving forward 
if that's the future of football, you've got to move with those times. See, if you don't like it, so be it. Embrace change. Mm. Not always a bad thing. We see the bottom line I see come down to it. Good players. Good players make good teams. So if that part of good uh, scouting good players is the science of it all, mm. go and do it. Because everyone else is doing it. And you'll get left in the slipstream if you don't. So go and find good players. It's, it's not hard. Football's not changed that much, has it? Not a lot of players are athletes. They've got certain abilities, you know, but the, the premise is the same. If you're a good footballer, you could play in any football team. Mm-hmm. Just why David Turnbull eventually came into the team. He's a good footballer. But we're fed up telling people he was a good footballer. You know, how, how, can, how can the management team not see this? That he's a good footballer. You know, I'm using him as an example because it took him a long time to come into the team. Sorrow as well. So, if you're going about and doing your homework, you should know the good footballers that are out there. The ones that you can get from every league. Because you should have people scouting every league. Every main league. You know, I, I, I've often said this, right? How come Celtic struggle to identify defenders? Or goalkeepers for that matter, right? Surely somebody should be watching the Bundesliga, the Italian League, Syria, the French League, the Dutch League, the Spanish League, right? And I'm not talking about your top teams, but even then your top teams players might be surplus to requirements. But see your Europa League teams or your third to tenth teams in the league. They should be getting watched. Those teams should be getting watched on a repetitive basis so that by the time you come to the end of the season, you could have a list of players drawn from all the big leagues, football leagues in Europe, and you say, we can get him, we can get him, we can get him. You know, and you should have identified at least seven or eight to ten, I would say as many as ten or a dozen mm-hmm. players for each position. So it's a sliding scale. But you should be able to identify these players because you've done your homework, you've scouted, you've watched it, right? It's not hard, Paul. See, somebody said to you, go and watch the Bundesliga for me all this season and identify a right-back that you can sign for Celtic. You'd do it, wouldn't you? Absolutely, yeah. I think Barkas is a good example, Tony. We know about Barkas because we played Athens. You know, so where are, as you say, where is this scouting network, you know, scouring Europe and beyond to find that goalkeeper? We, we were in a situation where we were going for Forster, we didn't get him. Let's go for Barkas, he looked okay. If you're a big club, you would have options coming out your sleeve. Mm-hmm. But as you say, we, we turn to Barkas, you know, and sometimes you get players that just, it's too big for them. The club's too big for them, or it's just that they just don't fit. Barkas might turn out to be a good goalkeeper for Celtic, but he's done nothing to convince convince anybody that he will be. You know, Rangers signed Oleg Solenko, Stefan Guivas. No, these kind of players, just it was too big, they couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. Yet they played for they came with massive reputations, talking about back in the day. You no, know, just it, sometimes they're not the right fit. But if you're turning around and you're doing your homework properly and you have some kind of network then surely you should be able to identify And, you know, I, I get that players cost money, yeah, but then surely you should be looking at teams where, you know, budgets are the same, similar, 
and identifying targets and saying, right, well, for five million quid we could get you know, people say, Oh, Neil Lennon was back. Neil Lennon was back, but he was back and, and spent ten million quid on two players that you've mentioned, Barcast and a Yeti. Who else wanted Barcast and a Yeti? Mm-hmm. Nobody. No. No, you're right. What's the requirements at West Ham? People were saying, Oh, you're taking a punt on this guy. But could Celtic have spent five million pounds on a better goalkeeper? I think they could have. That goalkeeper I don't know who that is because I'm not. Well, fair with goalkeepers, the goalkeepers have never been my, my big thing. But I'm sure if somebody said to me, Tony, here's see your homework, going to go and scout some goalkeepers for me, I'd be able to do it. I'd come back with them with a list of 10 goalkeepers. No, absolutely. Yeah. Now, see, see another thing that I, I keep seeing. Yeah, we ran a show last week, Tony, and it was around. Oh, thanks again, uh, Bomber H, back again. Um, we ran a, a show last week because Eddie Howe was the forerunner. He was the front runner in terms of the, the, the betting odds uh, for the new Celtic manager. And we, we had a look at Eddie Howe, and, but others were mentioned. And there's a bit, there's a, I'm going to say a fear, and I think that's a wee bit disrespectful as well, that we're going to go for someone like Jack Ross. Jack Ross has shown a lot of promise as a manager. Now, Bomber H is asking regarding future realistic managerial targets who do you think would be keen to come because sometimes you say a name and you're just shot down I mean a few people have mentioned Ralph Ranick, and you know the answer to that is he would never come to Celtic see, but you know see if you're going with that attitude Paul you'll never get Ralph Ranick to come to Celtic precisely question go and tell him how ambitious you are tell him he's the man he's the man who could resurrect this football club in terms of making it a giant on the European stage again. That's what we want them to do. Mm-hmm. It depends on your pitch. You want a Jack Ross, you'll get a Jack Ross. You don't have to pitch it too much to Jack Ross. Then go to Eddie Howe and say the same thing. Eddie, you were once touted as a future England manager. If that's what your end game and your end goal, we'll help you get there. Come to a club where you'll win stuff. You'll be a winner. You'll be a success. You'll have something tangible to show and you'll go with a a blessing if you if you decide in a few years right I'm going to test myself again at, at the highest level but you can get European football here you champion yes. football right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's up to you what you do with you know again this is all on the premise that these guys get full control right so I'm assuming in an I- ideal world full control that, that's how you there is no target that should not be unrealistic for Celtic if you pitch it the right way and you're going to give them the financial backing and just the backing in general. I get that we were, uh, Rafa Benitez. Has anyone gone to Rafa Benitez? Ask these guys the question. Show them your ambition. Get them to say thanks but no thanks. And then you say, fine, we move on. Start there. And, and overreach because we overreach with Brendan Rodgers and we got Brendan Rodgers nobody ever thought we would get Brendan Rodgers you know the thing with Rafa is I always get the impression Tony that the only reason he's in the Chinese Super League is it's a stepping stone until he gets a job within um, you know Slavin Bilic for example he's just waiting for another job to come up probably in English football but he'll take the big money in the Chinese Super League in, in the meantime 
And I do get the impression with Rafa, but then it comes down to the challenge. What challenge could you offer him? Well, you, again, you could offer him a route back into the Champions League. Potentially, I know in the last nine years it's, it's hardly been a given with Celtic. But, you know, if you've got that ambition, because that is one of the names that as soon as you say Rafa, no chance. Celtic's the challenge. Celtic are a European name, a huge European name, a huge club. That's how you say, look, we want you to turn this into something that the fans believe it should be. Mm-hmm. You know, you're playing in front of 50,000, 60,000 every other week. You know, and, and once people come and experience that adulation, it's, it's quite a powerful drug. If you love your football, if you really love your football, Celtic's a football manager's club. Mm-hmm. You know, someone who really gets it and loves their football. So that's why I say these guys, aren't they out, out with their reach? You know, somebody from the board will tell me different because there's parameters, and I get that. But there is no harm in aiming high or aiming as high as you can to get the best possible candidate, the best possible candidate that you can get for the job. I don't mean the second best or the third best or the fourth best. The best, because as a manager, you have to set that example. You get the best that you can get. And if you're you're unambitious and it's no slight on Jack Ross, then you get Jack Ross. Mm -hmm. Because you a young up-and-coming manager and Jack Ross has shown promise but if you're asking me if you if you want a young up-and-coming manager I would want Eddie Howe if you're asking me who do I really want I would love to Ralph Ranick or Rafa to take it because I think that would be a serious statement of intent from Celtic to say do you know what we want this title back you know we want this title back and we're going to you know spend to get it back and we're going to fight tooth and nail to get it back because we're going to win back all the people who at this moment in time are swithering about repurchasing their season tickets and I've joked with a couple of people Celtic will stay in tier 2 after all of this because they'll shut two tiers of that stadium Paul (laughs) 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 come back they're they're halfway there and all this you touched upon I watched the podcast and you said, you know the problem? They've not been able to vent their frustrations at the football mm-hmm. and have displays and banners and and, re- and gently remind the board, you know, you're representing us. You're representing us. Do what we want. Or, you know, within reason. But don't fall asleep at the wheel. Don't blow the ten. You know, so the, the manifestation of what, what happened at Celtic Park with it, the defences and all that. that, that was anger, frustration, just pent up aggression because they can't, they've not had that vehicle, they've not been able to go and vent their screen at the football, they touched on it, it's it's, it's a release mm-hmm. and they've not had that and they've been kept in the house and can't do this and you can't do that and and, I, and we all understand that. Football's a real life for a lot of Celtic supporters it's the be all and end all. And I can't understand why the people upstairs can't grasp that. Why could they not grasp that? It's, it means everything to, to the Celtic supporters. This season meant everything. It meant everything. You know, the you know, guys that were at the European Cup final, they would tell you that this meant everything. You know, it was a, probably the next best achievement to that. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I remember sitting at the uh, the first Hearts Scottish Cup final, the treble treble, with a, an old guy who was at the European Cup final, both European Cup finals and the UEFA Cup final, and he was in tears at the achievement of winning the treble treble. So you're right, Tony, the, the 10 in a row, the magnitude of that, the feeling towards that it was indescribable to, to Celtic fans. Now, those same Celtic fans, I feel... Um, have been largely ignored. Now, any kind of communication normally comes from the official channels. Um, it's premeditated, it's contrived, or even it's just a statement, you know. I mean, obviously, Peter Lowell um, gave his his address. But, you know, it's all control, Tony, and it's a Celtic employee asking the chief executive uh, the questions. It's going to be vetted. There's no challenge there. If Peter Lowell says something, no one's challenging him. That was bad enough, but then obviously this week Neil Lennon has thrown a bit of fuel to the flames. From a PR stroke media perspective, what can the club do now, do you think, to try and repair some of that damage with the fans? My hope going forward is that any new management structure and boardroom structure will incorporate someone from a fans group I'll say yourself because you've spoken very well in various channels, but you know that way that they can they can uh, communicate the feeling to be a fan, not a businessman or a business fan who likes the thought of being on the board at Celtic. I'm talking about someone who can act as a conduit between the the, big, the, the people, the financial people, and the man on the street, and can convey the depth of feeling that supporting this football club means to a lot of people. As Tommy Burns said, you're not supporting a football you're representing a cause. Somewhere along the line this season, the board didn't grasp that. And somewhere along the line, when the new board comes into being, there has to be that figure there. And I mean someone who is intelligent, articulate, not rabid, but can articulate the feelings of the fans, fans like you and I and the ordinary guys, and say to them, this, you can't do this, or you need to do that. If you're not going to do it, fine, but at least give it consideration. And somebody who can read the mood music and can say to them, after the Ferenc Farros game, if they're knocked out of the gym, it's not happening. Mm-hmm. So there's a groundswell here. And I say to them after the Rangers game, we need to have a chat about the manager's position. And convey that, not in any business sense, because all that matters to them is pound, shilling and pence. I'm talking on about a humane level. Just get it through to them how much this club means to people and how much the the loss of the 10 is going to hurt people this season, hurt the supporters, hurt the fans, because it, it, it's hurting them. They really are, and they're lashing out, and they're lashing out at each other, they're lashing out at the manager, they're lashing out at the players, and... It's all feeding into itself. It's becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy now, isn't it? You know, and and you, from a PR perspective, it's been an absolute disaster for Celtic. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, you you are tabloid fodder because you're doing nothing right. And I get back to that masquerading as a big club. You want to be a progressive club, an ambitious club. You know, get a board in and get somebody on the board who can act as that go between you and I and the, and the business people you know someone who you know, put in a position of trust 
who can straddle both camps, try best to trusted. Who that person is, I don't know, but you can find them. They exist. They are out there, absolutely. A lot of them come on here and talk, and a lot of them talk on other podcasts. They're articulate, intelligent human beings who love the club, who have the best interests of the club at heart, always. And, and uh, you know, who would follow the club to the nth degree, but have something to give in that on, on that top table. Who've got an opinion that's valid. Whether a board, a Celtic board would be willing to do that, I don't know. Probably not, but it's it's wishful thinking, but it's certainly something they have to consider. Because see, if they have considered it this season, they wouldn't be in the state they're in. I know, I agree with that. And there's quite a few comments coming in, because I know, you know, looking at what the Celtic Trust are, are, are achieving um, and what their aim is, and the Green Brigade are right behind that as well. I think that because of this disconnect, it's bringing it to the fore. Tony, that we're not represented well enough at that level in the boardroom. Uh, you know, like you say, the normal punter who's spending a much higher uh, percentage of their wages to get to the football than the the big wigs and the suits who are there. And, you know, it's a drop in the ocean a lot of the time to them. Now, Tony, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure, but I want you to remind others that uh, you will be back on the airwaves tomorrow to talk yeah. about your new book. Tell yeah. us where we can find you. What time are you appearing on the Off the Ball? I'm on Off the Ball, 12 till 2, BBC Radio Scotland. But just before you go, you mentioned a word there, disconnect, right? How can there be a disconnect this season of all seasons? When everything was supposed to be joyous, harmonious, and united to a common goal, and it's sad that you mentioned that word. There's a disconnect. It really, I, I get back to it, it's staggering and bewildering. It really, it, it's, it's unfathomable to be honest. It is. You'll be back on um, a Celtic state of mind, Tony, and hopefully we can talk about better times and better developments. But uh, all that's left for me to say today is once again, sir, thank you for joining me on a Celtic state of mind. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Paul. Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. 
Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.